Our reading this morning is taken from James, chapter 2, verses 14 to 19. James, chapter 2, verses 14 to 19. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. When I am planning a service, I actually planned a theme, oh, months in advance. Got written down what is going to kind of be the general themes for um, the year. We've got a vision as a church, um, which is to love God, to love the community around us, and to make disciples. That's the things that we strive to do. And we have uh, a vision action plan, if you like, that goes with what we've called our 2020 vision. And it works nicely because we talked about it kind of, it's about 18 months ago now. And uh, we're thinking, okay, looking forward five years, what do we believe God is calling us to as a church? And it just happened that five years on from then was the year 2020. So it worked nicely to call it the 2020 vision uh, because it's, for five years, but it also obviously has that connotation of 2020 vision being the perfect vision. You don't need glasses, you can see really well because you have 2020 vision. And so we're hoping that actually we will have God's vision and that he will, even if we don't get his perfect vision, it will be better than it was before uh, and will be continually, continuing to get better. Not for the things that we want to do, not because of the things that we hope for, for ourselves as a church, the ideas that we may come up with, but actually, what is God doing in Usley? What's he already doing that we can join and be part of? What are the things that he calls us to get involved with? There's loads of good stuff that we could do, but doing good stuff in and of itself is not necessarily God's stuff. And so... As we started thinking about the second year of putting our vision into action, which began, the second year began in September, it runs September to August, we like to go with the school year. Um, I don't know how that happened, it just did, I think it was timing-wise and that's fine. And so, months ago, we wrote down that we we're going to have a series on hope. And that this particular day, I'd got in my diary and we'd be talking about hopes for today. And the reading the passage was chosen whenever I chose it. And then life happens. Things happen. Things take place. Things that I didn't plan. 
And then stuff goes wrong with technology and you sing the songs in the wrong order and you think, okay, God, what are you going to do today? Because I'm not 100% as to what's going to come up on the screen. Calais has been on my heart a lot recently. I was hoping to go. A friend of mine, one of, he's a Baptist minister, he's also teaches at the college, has been going every week for the past year or so over to the jungle. And he's invited us. And I was hoping to go in the summer and actually the best thing for me to do was to not go because I needed to spend some time with my family and get some rest. And doing another thing was not a good idea for me. But I wanted to. And I know others who have gone. And I didn't know that when I stood up today we were going to have seen the destruction of the jungle. I didn't know that I was going to pray the prayer that I just prayed. But I knew that I was coming to this passage. And I've struggled this week. I've struggled for the last few weeks as I thought, what are my hopes for today? Thinking about hope. What are my hopes for today? Because thinking about my past hopes, the things that I wanted to do, whether I've achieved them or not, um, one of the things that I said last time was the thing that I wanted to do. There were a couple of places that I wanted to visit. I had done since childhood. Don't know why they particularly stood out. One was Table Mountain in South Africa. Really wanted to go there. Um, and I think it came from a map that my grandparents gave to my brother. I had little stickers that you put on and... I was just intrigued by a flat mountain because when you're little, a mountain should look like a triangle and the fact that it was cut off the top um, just seemed weird. Um, so I liked the idea of that. The other place was the Grand Canyon. I don't know why. It seems to be the kind of opposites of each other. Maybe if you turned one upside down and put it in the other, it would have fit together. But they were places that I wanted to go and I was very fortunate a number of years ago that I got to do both of those and visit both places. I'd love to take people to them. I'd love to be able to take Amy and the children and go, look, this is Table Mountain. Because it's still a spe- it's, it was a special place before I went there. It's still a special place now that I've been. I'd love to go back. I don't know why. Just somehow, kind of, somewhere within me, I love Table Mountain. Grand Canyon, I'd love to go back. I was very fortunate because I got to climb from the rim all the way down to the river and then back in a day. There were signs saying, don't do it. We did a bit of training and we got to do it. I don't think I could do that now because I don't think I'm as fit as I was then and I wasn't that fit then. But I'd love to go back and I'll never be able to relive the moment, the first moment I saw it. Because we were in a minibus and there was loads of talking and we knew where we were going and chattering and blah, 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 blah. much excitement. And we turned a corner and there was this first view. And the bus went quiet. And I could do my best to try and describe it to you. I could use all sorts of words to try and tell you how spectacular it was. I could show you photos or paintings that people have done. I could show you the pictures that I took. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing I can do that will express just how fantastic a place it is. The only way you get to know it is to see it. The only way you could possibly experience the vastness of the Grand Canyon is to go there. 
And to have that experience where you're driving along and it's kind of deserty and there's trees here and there and whatever it might be. And then suddenly this moment occurs and you just go, wow. And your eyes are fixed. And you're kind of, whatever's over there doesn't matter. Whatever's over there doesn't matter. Your eyes are just looking and trying to take it in and going, but it just disappears. It's so huge. I can't ever have that same experience again with the Grand Canyon. Maybe I'll go somewhere else and I'll have that same experience. But I'd love to be there. It would be great to be there if I got to take Amy and the kids and watch them. And particularly Amy. For those who know Amy, you know that she will react really well. I won't embarrass her by saying more than that. She will do a really good reaction to it. But what I can hope for And what I'm looking forward to, and this is a future hope, which we'll talk about more when I do future hopes, is that moment where somehow, I don't know how it works, whether you turn a corner and suddenly, there, you suddenly experience and witness all of God's glory. But the wonderful thing, or one of the many wonderful things about God, is that his kingdom, it is to come, but it's also here. There's a kind of now, but not yet, about God's kingdom. Jesus, when he was walking this earth, would say, the kingdom of God is here, or the kingdom of heaven. And people went, huh? But how? But I don't, but, but, and we have this, perhaps still have this vision that the kingdom is a set place. The kingdom of God is where the king is. And we have little moments where things break through. Jesus came down and where Jesus is, his kingdom is. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, lives in many of us. And I don't know if you remember the day that you went from going, well, I come to church if that was your experience, to the moment where you went, oh, I get it now. I thought being a Christian was about turning up on a Sunday, singing some songs and listening to the preacher. And then, then I met Jesus. And one of my hopes for today is that if you don't know Jesus, is that you meet him whether it's through the singing of a song, whether it's through a prayer, whether it's through your journey home and just kind of, I don't know, the breeze in your face. Because God meets us where we're at, in the places that we're at. A few weeks ago, Arthur was starting school. And it was that time of year where people... For those of you who use Facebook and social media, you will have seen endless photos of people that you know of their child in a school uniform. You possibly posted one. On that first day of school, I think there's, there, there seems to be a tradition now where you take a picture of your children outside the front door on their first day of school. Possibly you do it again for their first day of secondary school. And then if they're really lucky, 
you post that picture of them from the first day of school with their last day of school when they're 18 next to each other and they really love you for those kinds of things and I'm looking forward to doing that to my children and they are not looking forward to it in the same way. But there were lots of comments about going to school and the achievements that people have. I really hope that my son or daughter does well at school. There's lots of pressure that comes around exam time. I hope they get good grades. I hope that they will get a good and successful job. I hope, I hope, I hope. And I thought about it and I thought, what do I really hope for for Arthur and for Edith? Do I hope that they get good grades at school? Well, there's a bit of me that hopes they do. But it's not my main hope. I thought, well, I hope that they, they get on all right, that they don't find it a distressing experience. And I thought, well, is that my main hope? I thought, I hope they're happy. People that just walk past the windows are hoping they can get in. I hope that they are happy. And I thought, yeah, I do hope that they'll be happy. But that's not my main hope. Do I hope that they will have a safe and secure job? Yeah. That's not my main hope. I thought about my hopes for them. My hope is that actually that they will be a friend to others. That they will be that kid that when somebody new comes to school, that they're the one that goes over and says, hey, my name's Arthur, who are you? Hi, my name's Edith, how are you doing? I hope that when there's a child that's got some sort of disability or additional need, that it's my kids that are the ones that go over and support them because they can't quite understand the instructions, because they can't sit still because they're just a bit fidgety because their legs don't work in quite the same way as everyone else's, because they struggle to see. I hope that their self-esteem is not based on what they can achieve or whether people like them or the clothes they wear or the house they live in, or the music they listen to, or the things they see on TV, or the iPod, or the phone that they've got, or whatever it might be when it gets to it. My hope for them is that they will know God, and that their esteem will be found in Christ. And that that is all that they will need. I don't know if you are fans of the Great British Bake Off or whether you were fans until this week and now that it's moving to Channel 4 you're no longer going to be a fan because it won't be the same because it's got different presenters <sighs> won't, just won't be the same we're all disappointed but we're feeling feel proud that Mel and Sue and Mary went no we're not going after the money I love that and then various other people have said, I wouldn't present it now. No chance. You can pay me what you like. No. Others are, of course, going, how much? Yes, please. Different perspectives on things. I don't know if you watched the final. I had um, the... Don't tell me the winner because I haven't seen it yet. 
That's going to be tricky. Put your fingers in your ears. Wendy, go and leave the room. Do whatever you need to. Sing a song in a minute. Anyway, I had. You can listen now, Wendy. You can listen from it. I'll tell you when. I might mention it. Okay. Well, you can go to go to the loo or something. Okay. What I will. I'll try and work my way around it. Okay. No pressure. Okay. So I had the privilege because um, you can apply for tickets to go and watch stuff on the telly and be in, you know, on shows and stuff. So I applied, and it doesn't cost anything. It's great. And uh, me and my sister. Uh, went a few weeks ago to go and be on the Extra Slice programme. And, uh, and we got there and we queued, and it says in the email, we oversubscribe so you might not get in, because we need to make sure it's full. And so we stood in the queue. Weirdly, it's, they filmed that programme for the BBC at ITV, even though it's with another production company. I was confused. And there's a gate as you arrive. There's the first set of gates, and there was a security table, and there was... Some people just checking that you were not, you know, hiding a spanner or something in the cake you'd baked or whatever it might be, um, and checking you weren't carrying anything you shouldn't, and that's fine. So in you go, and they did their thing. And then there's another gate, and the queue was long, and it went in past this other gate, and we were stood behind the first gate, and uh, we've been there a little while, and then a man comes down and he says, just to let you know, we've got a lot of people in today, you might not get in. And we said, that's okay, we, we're okay with that, we, we were expecting that, we, we've read the email, we haven't baked anything, because I wasn't going to carry it on the train, and didn't need that sense of embarrassment, anyway. Lots of other people looking slightly more worried, because they put a lot of effort in. And then he came down and he said, right, I can't guarantee that you will get in, but you're not. And we were about three people this way, and okay, we might do it still. We had that bit of hope. And then he came down and said, no, sorry, you're not going in. But, we take your details, and, some, and you can have priority tickets for another show. And there's all sorts of shows, and they said, don't worry, but you won't be able to get into the Bake Off, because that's already done. And then I got an email, and it said, there's spaces for priority ticket holders, for extra slice, final. So me and my sister and a couple of friends um, went, and we got to watch the filming of extra slice and so we saw the final of the bake-off about five hours before the rest of the world and we had to sign a thing to say you won't tell anyone and we thought well we've got no phones around here so we can't tell anyone anyway it doesn't matter we're on a tube on the way home and then there's no phone so no problem there but we watched the final and i won't say who won it but if you watched it you will have seen this moment where the person who won got very excited, and then they cried, and then they cried some more, and they were doing those bits of interview, and they said, you won't know how much this means to me. You won't, nobody will know how much this means to me. I never expected to be here. I'm good. I'm good enough. And I thought, how wonderful for that particular individual, but how sad that it took a baking competition on the telly for that person not just to know that they are good and it slipped out in the way that these things do but to know that they are good enough and my hope is that you know that you are good enough and I suspect that there's people here because I know, because people talk to me that don't think they're good enough 
that when we share in communion, there's people who say, I'm not good enough. I couldn't, couldn't share communion. I'm not worthy. Well, that is the point. None of us are worthy. None of us are worthy. It's because of Jesus. But I hope that you know that God made you as you are. And I'm thankful that he didn't make another one of me. I'm thankful that he didn't make another one of a number of you. (laughs) But I'm thankful that he did make you. I couldn't cope with another one. But I'm grateful for the ones that we've got. And when we put our hope and our trust into God and our confidence and our hope and our faith and our trust is in him then we are able to say whether we win a baking competition whether we got A stars for our GCSEs and A levels or O levels or whatever you did when it was you know nowhere in the ark whether you are able to give the answer that is the perfect Sunday school answer of Jesus, or whether you give a different answer. My hope is that you know that God says you are good enough for me. And come into this passage. You can, you can tell me that you love Jesus. You can sing the songs, you can come to church, you can be as involved as you like. And we will use you. If there's something that if you don't feel you're doing enough, we can use you. We will definitely make sure there's a place for you to do something. That's not a problem. I can fill your week. But you don't get to heaven, you don't get to be part of the kingdom because of the things that you do. You get to be part of that kingdom, to be part of God's family because of what he has done for us. And when you know that, when you know that then, the things that you do, as it says in this passage, it shines out. That was the testimony that we heard on Friday. George's life, George's death is a testimony of the things that he knew to be true of his faith. The things that I see many of you doing. Not necessarily the thing that you think is seen, but those unseen things that you do because you love God. And because you love God, you love his people. And if this morning you're thinking, I thought... I thought I knew God. But I'm a bit like the guy who Jesus healed that had blurry vision, was walking around like trees, and Jesus had to touch him again. And then he could see clearly. If you're having one of those moments and you think, I'm not sure I see it that clearly, then I would love to pray with you. I know there's others who'd love to pray with you as well. If you've got a bunch of questions and you think, do you know what, I've I've been coming to church my whole life. I don't think I know Jesus in the way that Rich talks about 
or that Rosemary expresses. I want to know him more. I've done stuff for church. I've done stuff for God, but I want to know and do stuff because I'm compelled to, because of the relationship I have with him. Then I'd love to pray with you. And my hope is that as a community of believers, that this place, not necessarily these four walls, but through the people coming and going into our homes, into the shops, into business, is around. Through the way that we speak, through the things that we do, through our actions and our deeds. That that light of Christ would shine. And God's kingdom would grow. And I specifically and purposefully say God's kingdom because do you know what? If we don't fill the seats in this place and people choose to worship somewhere else, that's okay. I just want them to know Jesus. And if they do come here, then what a privilege and an honour we have to get to journey with others in Christ. I think if we asked the people who have been living in the jungle in Calais, their hope for today, I've got a feeling it might be different from the things that we said we hope for for today. My hope for tomorrow and for the future is that we wouldn't need a food bank, that we wouldn't need to have border patrols, that we wouldn't need to have doors that we lock. My hope, my hope for this church, we talk about the building sometimes, I'd love to knock the wall down out there and make it so it's open. Not practical, I know. But it sends a message saying, this is a place where you are welcome. I'd love it if between now and the time where there's homes for everyone, we could go, do you know what, come and sleep in here. Come and sleep in our houses. I'd love it if we could cook meals and prepare food for people. But I'd love it if we move beyond that to a time when we don't need it. And we're going to think next time about our future hopes. But our, my current hope is that first, that we know Jesus. And secondly, that through our actions, through our words, others would also know him.